It's something for nothing. The Rush fan cast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, I hear you got a tremendous package in the mail this week. I did. It was very, very heavy and very, very tall. And what was it? I was trying to think of something funny. Um, it was, <laughs> it was of course, the Moving Pictures Super Uber box set. Very, very cool. Very cool. I got mine, but I cheaped out and got the $30 triple CD. You got the Big Magilla. The Big Magilla. Magilla Gorilla. <laughs> yeah, Magilla Gorilla. It was only available on the Rush Backstage Club, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and we're going to go through it, so you'll get to hear about all the stuff that's in it. I can't wait. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find Jerry at The Rush Cast. Also, email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Enjoy the bass intro. That is Lex. <laughs> and what we're going to do here today, Jer, before we talk to our guest, we've seen all these unboxing videos for the box set. We're going to do an unboxing on a podcast. Is that possible? Can we unbox something that no one can see? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we, I mean, we're going to do it. Will it fly? I'm not sure, but we'll do our best. We'll keep it short. I have not seen the box set. So this is the first right. time I'm going to be seeing it. And I'm very excited. You've seen it and you're going to show it to me. Yes. I am unboxing it for you. Awesome. And whoever's listening. <laughs> I'll do my best to describe what I'm seeing. Yes. We're going to have a lot of adjectives in this episode. So hit me. Oh, we're just going to jump right into it. Yeah. Let's see this thing. Come on, man. Okay. So this, like I said, this box is enormous and it's extremely heavy for, you know, a box that has records in it, essentially. So let me show it to you. Oh, wow. Look at that. That is big. Holy crow. It's extremely, the side of it. Wow. So the front of it has the new cover, the white background with people right. walking past the, that alcoves that kind of look like the cover of moving pictures the side of the box has movie film on it that's very cool would you say that's six or eight inches thick this box i could tell you exactly i happen to have a measuring tape right look at on you my with the ruler <laughs> it is four inches it's a, it's a pretty big box that's pretty cool so when you open the box the box is has so much stuff in it it has like a little almost like a, like a ribbon. It has a ribbon that you have to lift up to get everything out of it. Cause there's so much stuff in here. Wow. That's cool. And the first bunch of stuff is all the LPs that come with it. Okay. And how many of those are there? There are five LPs in here. The actual album is on one LP. Okay. And the live album is on the other four. Yes. And the, the regular moving pictures LP sounds great. It's on 180 gram vinyl. Wow. I'm sure is like the standard today for mm -hmm. audio files. And I weighed some random LPs that I have and they were all between 98 and 115 grams. So that's how albums used to be made when they were mass produced. Right. So this thing is very, very thick and heavy and I thought it sounded great. And my turntable is, you know, iffy at best. Suspect. Yeah, it's suspect. <laughs> And it still sounded amazing. No one would listen to it with me, though. I was trying to get people to come down and really? just kind of sit around. Yeah. You didn't invite me. Well, that's true. I didn't invite <laughs> you. No wonder no one showed up. You got to invite Rush fans, Jer. <laughs> who wouldn't want to listen to moving pictures, though? I can't imagine who wouldn't. So we're going to talk about the live album on entire episode coming up. Right. Let's not get into that because we're going to get into that later and get into it deep right but the albums the live albums like the, the presentation of them is just great i love the photos that are in it cover the first one is this oh nice is it neil getty and alex wrestling you know not wrestling like greco-roman style but they're goofing <laughs> yeah they don't have unitards on <laughs> um yeah it looks like they're fighting they're play fighting during a photo shoot that's cool and on the inside oh Kind of looks like an image from exit stage left. Yeah. Getty with the Rick. Alex has got his red jacket on, even though it's in black and white. I know it's the red jacket. Yeah. You could tell it's the red jacket, but it's definitely black and white. Right. And then the back of it has, of course, you know, the date 
March 24th and 25th, and then some other cool photos. This might be from the actual show because Alex is wearing like a short sleeve shirt, which is different than the jacket on the inside, which I, like I said, it might be from the exit stage left video. Yep. And then there's the second set of LPs for the live album. Cool concert photo. Oh, that's a great photo. Got Getty and Alex with their double necks. Yep. And, and Neil in the background. They're playing Xanadu, I bet. They have to be playing Xanadu. That's the only song they use the double necks for, right? That's the double neck song. And then the inside gatefold is a really cool picture of Neil. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's a black and white photo of Neil behind the kit and what a kit it is. Right. You have the tubular bells behind him. Yeah. With, I don't know, what are these things on top? I don't know. I have no idea what they are. Crow towels? Is that what they're called? They might be crow towels, but there's like 70 of them back there. That is a suitable for framing piece right there. It is. It absolutely is. It's a beautiful photo. You really got your money's worth here, Jerry, I think. Oh, yeah. This isn't even the half of it, Steve. Wait do you see the rest of it. I can't wait. And then the back, of course, has more photos. Another cool picture of, of Neil Getty with his double neck and Alex up top in a suit and jacket. I mean, what I'm seeing so far, I mean, it might just be worth it for the albums alone. Yeah, the albums. And I listen, of course, to the live albums, too. They sound great to me. Yeah. And then there's the book. This hardcover book. Oh, wow. That is awesome. On the image on the front of the hardcover book is an old movie camera with a blank space on the wall where the frame of the moving pictures album cover used to be. You can see that. That's a very cool Hugh Syme image. And on the DVD that has videos that's included in the back of this book, there's like a little animation at the beginning where... You can hear the film camera rolling and then you see the picture in the back just kind of start creaking and then it falls to the ground. Wow. So I'm reading here, the, the videos in there are the new video that was created by Fantunes for YYZ, correct? Yes. And also the three music videos that we've all seen that were taped at La Studio for Tom Sawyer, Limelight, and Vital Signs. Am I correct there? That is correct, Steve. And how do they look? Did you watch them? Yeah. I mean, they're grainy, you know, they look like the videos, right? I'm not sure how, how much you can clean those up. You know what I mean? They just look like the videos we've all seen a million times. And the fan tunes one is not grainy and it's spectacular. It is spectacular. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Very cool. It's a lot of fun. So the inside of the book has tons more pictures and a really long essay by Kim Thiel from Soundgarden. Huge Rush fan. Huge Rush fan where he just talks about Rush's influence on him and influence on all of the musicians from the Seattle scene. Oh, wow. Which is something, you know, you and I were around for the whole grunge era. Mm -hmm. It was kind of out of vogue to be into Rush at the time. Right. But there's a section in here where Kim talks about that, if you want me to read it to you. Please. He said, inevitably, they would all sit around you know, after shows or late nights and whatever, when they were making music and talk about all of their influences and how they learned to play and all the songs they love. And he says, almost without exception, the musicians in our community who were predominantly from the tail end of the baby boom would reference the classic rock from their youth and childhood music from the sixties to the seventies. And there it was the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Kiss, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, and Rush. Hero who was Hiro Yamamoto, the original bass player of Soundgarden. Hiro, originally a mandolin player, had been a fan of Rush, and he was sharing stories with Chris, who was Chris Cornell, obviously. Right. Who, as a drummer, was inspired by Rush. Chris was four years younger than me. Moving Pictures was his 2112. A few years later, Matt Cameron would join Soundgarden. When asked about his influences, he would reference jazz greats, as well as Bill Bruford, Mitch Mitchell, Buddy Miles, and Neil Peart. Yes, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Mudhoney, Tad, and on and on. They had all grown up within the classic rock milieu of Rush. Seattle's grunge scene came to re-embrace and build a sonic foundation upon classic rock, then adorn it with punk. Alternative rock in general has Rush's fingerprints all over the strings. Apparently, Rush was ahead of its time. Absolutely. That is really great. It was just a great thing to read. Yeah. 
there are other essays in here too. Much, much shorter ones. Les Claypool. He writes a short piece. He talks about how Getty came over to his house and showed him how to play YYZ. <laughs> and he learned that he had been playing it wrong his entire life. Of course he was. Taylor Hawkins has a short piece in there. Neil Sanderson of Three Days Grace and Bill Kelleher of Mastodon. Oh, wow. Very cool. And then the book is rounded out with uh, lyrics and, of course, artwork throughout by Hugh Syme. New, new artwork. But that's not all. That is not all. There's much more. Hold on. Jerry's reaching down into the box. So there's this kind of envelope. Wow. Has a big 40 on it. And on either side of the 40, it says 1981. There's a little flap at the back. So let me open it up. Okay. All the posters are in here, right? Yes. First thing is this little replica. Oh. Of moving pictures backstage pass. That's awesome. It says World Tour 81 on it. I'm not sure if it was actually from there. I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's a real replica, but it's a little backstage pass. That's cool. You could put it on a lanyard if you wanted to, Steve. Yeah. And the cool th- another cool thing, the YYZ luggage tag. Oh, nice. For Canada Air. Bring that to the airport. Right. I guess if you wanted to, you could actually put this on your luggage. Yeah, that would be cool, but then you'd ruin it, right? Yeah. And then you you meet all the other rush fans in the in the airport. <laughs> Another cool thing is a replica of a ticket from the March 25th show, 1981, which is one of the live shows. Wow. That's great. Yeah. You want to guess how much the tickets were? $9. Very close. $9 and 55 cents. That's pretty close. Yeah. So, and then it was like a, a 95 cent tax and it was uh, $10 and 50 cents total. Bargain. A total bargain. <laughs> Can you imagine seeing that show for $10? <laughs> That's crazy. I know it is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, another really cool thing are these rep. You've all, you've heard the stories about how Neil. Yes. Would illustrate the lyrics that he gave to Getty. Yes. So these are replicas of those lyrics that he gave to Getty. Wow. So there's the Tom Sawyer one up in the corners, a little picture of Tom Sawyer yeah. on a raft, and then all the little squiggles that accompany all the lyrics. Now, what kind of paper is that on, Jer? Oh, this is like on thick poster paper. You could definitely frame these if you wanted to. This is like serious paper. You know, I saw Ryan at Rush Fans posted these on Instagram, and I'd never seen these before. Why have we never seen the moving pictures ones before? I don't know. Here's Red Barchetta, little drawing. Yeah. Of the car screeching around the corner. We'll have to post these on Instagram too when this episode comes out. Right. The limelight one is very funny because there's a picture of like four spotlights all converging on one spot and a little human form running away from them as fast as he can. Do you think that's Howard <laughs> Ungerleader? <laughs> I think I think it's Neil. <laughs> it probably is. The camera eye just has a really cool design with the word camera in a circle. Almost looks like an optical illusion. It does. It really does. Witch Hunt has a little bonfire around a cross. Neil was quite the artist. I know. And look at this one especially. The calligraphy. I know. The calligraphy on it and the indentation. Some of the lyrics are like centered on the page. They're works of art. He wasn't just scribbling things down on a notebook like you or I would do. And then Vital Signs is very spare. As you can imagine, it has the two dials up here where it's just registering sound. And then it's pretty, pretty straightforward. But the one cool thing is that for the chorus, for the line, everybody got a mood lifter. There's an asterisk and it goes down to the bottom and it says alternative soft filter. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess he gave it, he gave it the option to, to Getty to sing soft filter if he wanted to. And he did. And he did. That's great. And where are the YYZ lyrics, Jer? Oh, yeah, there was no one. I thought it was going to be a blank page with YYZ at the top, but there wasn't. I was waiting for that. Something else is this lenticular of the album cover. Oh, nice. Lenticular is like the 3D image where they put two images over each other with some kind of wavy plastic in front. I don't know if you can see, you can see the 
the people, the movers moving. Yeah. I don't know if you could see that. That's cool. I, I'm really not sure how this is going over on a podcast, Jer, but I'm enjoying it. It wouldn't be the first time that things didn't go <laughs> over on the podcast, Steve. Um, another really cool thing is a replica of the Moving Pictures tour book. Oh, nice. So that is the actual tour book that you would have received at the show, a replica of it. I'm assuming because there's notes in here from Neil. You know, he, he has like a little diary entry for 1980 about, re, about recording the album. And they talk about who's in the, you know, who the stage crew is, mm-hmm. who the management is. There's a little crossword puzzle. Rush crossword puzzle if you want to fill that out. And then uh, Neil, Getty, and Alex have all of the instruments that they're using. They describe their instruments. That's pretty cool. Now, so you don't ruin your book. You should make copies of the crossword puzzle, and then we'll do them. We'll have a competition, so you can do it quicker. <laughs> so you can do it quicker. <laughs> and on the back of the tour book, it looks like it looks like another photo from the same session where they were wrestling earlier. Oh, very cool. Getty and Alex are wrestling each other, and Neil has had enough and is walking away. Which was probably. Uh, a common occurrence. <laughs> Probably. One of the cooler <laughs> things in here, because there are co- very, very cool things in here, is this poster advertising the show from Chum FM. Oh, nice. I'm going to have to back up to show you this, Steve, because it's pretty big. Oh, that's great. It's a, it's a full-size poster, kind of like one of the gig posters from Ray's book. Very cool. It is very cool. It's got pictures from the inside of the album itself you know the moving pictures of mm-hmm. getty alex and neil it's advertising the three dates at the, the maple leaf gardens then there's this other poster it's kind of longer more rectangular has three pictures on it one is the band with john rutsey oh nice great that they included john rutsey in here for some reason i got two of these in the box set so oh wow one for me one for you. <laughs> okay, so that's all the goodies that are in that little folder, but that's still not all of the stuff that's in this. There's more? Yes, Steve, there's more. Okay, I can't wait. We're almost done, though. It's very, very... And our listeners can't wait not to see it. They can't wait to not see it. I guess I should post <laughs> pictures of all of these things, I think right? you should. I think you should. Okay, so this is a really cool thing. It's a 40th anniversary enamel pin with the star man on the front and it just says moving pictures on it 40th anniversary it's really big and it's really heavy <laughs> wow you could pin that on your jean jacket i think i'm gonna see if my daughter wants it she has two denim jackets with a million pins on oh them. you have to give it to your daughter then you yeah. have to she has some rush pins on her on her jacket so hopefully she'll put this one here and when she's walking toward you it sounds like a refrigerator trying to walk you know, I no longer have my jean jacket, but I have all the pins that I used to have on it. Really? Yeah, I kept them all. Wow. Bunch of rush pins, too. Then there are two metal picks with Alex's signature on one and Getty's signature on the other. That is fantastic. Look at those. Those are thick, too, man. They are very thick. Wow. I haven't played with them. I don't know if it, how they would sound, but. That is really cool. And then, and then, and then a pair of Neil Peart signature ProMark drumsticks. Get out. That say moving pictures on them. Wow. You see that? Those are great. These are really, really good. They're made out of oak. It's the ProMark signature series. The problem with those drumsticks, Jerry, is you can't use those. Yeah. You could, but right? I could, right. I could. But that probably wouldn't be a good idea, right? No, you don't want to ruin those. Those are a collector's item. But what better way to to honor the band and to bash them around for a while? That would be fun to do, but... It would be, right? I don't think I would do it. So there's one last thing, Steve, and it's something that you had expressed an interest in. Yes. It is the small diecast model. Look at that. Of the Red Barchetta. That is great. My favorite Rush song in car form. In car form. It's really cool. So I'll drop it off at your house. You're going to give that to me? You? I was just kidding. You don't have to give that to me. Oh, you don't want it? I do want it, but you don't have to give that to me. You should keep <laughs> it. I wouldn't give it to me if I were you. I'd be selfish and keep it. 
We'll talk about it later. I can't accept that from you, Jared. You put out the money for that box set. That is going on your shelf. All right. It's a very cool car. It's not like a little matchbox car. It's a pretty big car. Yeah. And it says, you know, red barchetta on it. Very nice. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my, my daughter. My younger daughter takes Italian. And um, I was talking to her about red barchetta. She said, what's that? I said, well, it's a, an Italian car. And she goes, shouldn't it be red barchetta? <laughs> and I said, yes, it, it should be. But that kid knows too much. Well, Jared, thanks for unboxing for me. I hope it was entertaining to the listeners. It certainly was entertaining for me because I got to see it. But (laughs) I hope everybody liked it too uh, because I was very excited to get this. Like I said, it was very heavy, and I was so glad when it came. And I had a great time just going through everything. So, Jared, now that we've unboxed the box set, who else can we bring in to discuss the Rush Moving Pictures box set then super fan, frequent guest of the Rush Fan Cast, episodes 40, 57, and 120. And dare I say, friend of the podcast, Ray Warsniak? Yes. How, how dare you say that? <laughs> <laughs> dare I say? Welcome, Ray. And you both, Steve, Jerry. Good day to you both. Happy to see you both. Thank you so much for having me back here to celebrate this incredible release so ray before we get into the box set how is the rush gigs book doing how many gig ads have you found since you released the book that you wish you put in the book Uh uh-huh good question i I know at one point i think mark and patrick and i just casually exchanged a few emails or phone calls and one of the three of us said you know good lord we've got enough for a rush gigs part two (laughs) i can say safely that we have sold ones and ones of copies of that book. (laughs) It's sold very well. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Thanks for allowing Mark and I to be on for the previous episode to celebrate that book. We're both super proud of it. Yeah. Thank you for asking about it. So Ray, why don't we start by talking about your involvement in the moving pictures box set. You're credited with archival research. What exactly did that entail? And how did that manifest itself in the box set? Okay, Steve, thank you for asking. Indeed, on this incredible new release, uh, I am credited, as you just identified, for my archival research. And I think that's kind of the role that I've played with each and every one of these respective 40th anniversary releases, dating back to the first one in 2014, when when the eponymous debut album was celebrated 40 years Henceforth, in 2014, I contributed archival research towards that product as well. And I think that's just kind of become my role with each of these subsequent releases. With the last one there with Permanent Waves, I had the honor of writing the liner notes for that one. But it's I've just kind of grown into this archival role, one which will always still be a thrill for me. I think I've said this maybe in one of our previous visits the 16 year old rush fan that forever lives inside of me is still thrilled when I saw that credit archival research, Ray Warsniak, that just sent a chill up my spine. So it's something that I take great pride in, in being asked to participate in any way that I can with any of these projects, the people with whom I've grown close and work with, they're always polite enough to ask, but I think they know the answer before they even ask me. <laughs> hey, Ray, would you be interested in it? Like, you don't even have to finish the, the question. You know that the answer is going to be yes. So with this particular project, I think it was in September of 2020 when I was part of a meeting that took place then to kind of get the ball rolling on this project. And at that point, I think the executive producer, uh, of this project, Jeff Fira, who I'll mention, I'm sure, many multiple times. I think Jeff was just trying to tap into my expertise at that point, wanting to know what's out there memorabilia-wise, what's out there audio-wise, what's out there with anything that might be of value for potential inclusion in what became this fantastic new box set. That was September of 2020 when 
I can't say that was the first meeting. That was the first meeting that I was a part of. I know maybe a month or two beforehand, I had sent a couple emails just kind of wondering, hey, you know, has the ball started rolling yet with regard to moving pictures? How can I help? What can I do? Here's some ideas that I have. So once we had that meeting in September of 2020, then it was a matter. Well, actually, I came to that meeting prepared with a lot of artifacts from the area, both audio and otherwise, of which I scanned and submitted anything and everything that I had for their respective consideration. Uh, one thing in particular, you, you might find this interesting and your listeners might find this interesting as well. In the box set, there are there's two posters, one a Chum FM promotional poster promoting the particular concert that ended up being included in this set. But there's also another horizontal poster of Rush Through the Years Getty had seen a poster that I had similar to that one. He liked what he saw, but it was Getty who wanted John Rutsey to be included in kind of a takeoff of that poster. He thought John Rutsey should be included and celebrated as a part of Russia's legacy from 1974 up to 1981. Of course, you know, when Moving Pictures was released. So that poster that's included in the box set I, th I think the seeds for that may have been sown after Getty had seen one of the posters that I uploaded for everybody's collective consideration. So in your dealings with, you know, the band management and stuff like that, was there mm -hmm. something that you knew that you learned about moving pictures? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question, Jerry. In fact, I have this down on my list, all, all kidding aside. One of, one of my friends, my friend Chris and I, oftentimes when we hear a new interview, whether it's a, you know, an audio interview, a video interview, whatever the case is, a, a print interview, oftentimes after the fact, if he'll read it before I will, if he reads it before I do, excuse me, or vice versa, oftentimes he'll ask me, Ray, what did you learn? Or I'll ask him, Chris, what did you learn? So I respect the spirit of your question there, Jerry. And what did I learn? It's, it's difficult because here we are now, 40, 41 years later, and so much of this record has been, this record has been celebrated. It has been dissected. It has been written about. Books or large excerpts of books have been dedicated to this. So it's, it's kind of difficult 40 years later for new information to all of a sudden be revealed. The players who were key to this production, you know, Getty, Alex and Neil and Terry Brown, if they were to retell the story of moving pictures now, got to realize they're thinking about something that happened to them 41 years ago. So there's so much that has been written, but of course we are all still, we are all still learning that even though so much has been written, we're always still learning about it. And maybe my crescendo or my greatest takeaway from this about what I learned is that this is a record that absolutely deserves to be celebrated. It deserves this kind of anniversary treatment. Just because a record is celebrating an anniversary, however seminal the anniversary may be, a 25-year anniversary, a 30-year or 40-year anniversary, just because a record is celebrating a particular anniversary doesn't mean it necessarily deserves the kind of treatment that the Rush releases have been given. There's other bands and artists that I'm sure the two of you listen to, that I listen to, that a lot of your listeners are fans of, who have had anniversaries in the recent past. That those anniversaries have kind of come and gone, maybe because it's a record that really didn't deserve this kind of anniversary. This is a record that deserved this incredibly lavish production. You know, how many fans put aside whether it's your favorite record or not, but you know, oftentimes I'm sure you two are asked, or maybe you pose the question that, Hey, if you met a new, you know, a new person who was new to rush, what record would you give them to kind of introduce them to the band? Don't you think a large percentage of us, if you put your own personal bias aside would say, well, I'd present with that. I'd present moving pictures. Right. It's, it's such a seminal record in their career, which I'll note here momentarily, but it deserves to be celebrated. It's a record that I think represented exactly what the band wanted to become. That was what they envisioned. You know, oftentimes I'll have my students formulate a quality picture in their mind of what is it that they are wanting to work towards. 
And I think in those formative years for the band, I think their quality picture in their mind was what eventually became moving pictures. And once they reached that pinnacle, they had reached what they wanted to. Well, because of the spirit that they have after that, to me, everything after that almost became kind of experimental. Well, we, we did what we wanted to. Well, let's kind of start to tweak it a little bit. You know, when you've made the perfect dish, if you're a, a cook and you've made the perfect dish, or when you make it the next time, maybe, maybe you'll do it the next one or two times exactly the same. But I don't know, then you'll kind of start to tweak it a little bit and say, well, let me just throw a little bit of this in that dish this time. Let me throw a little bit of extra this in it that, that next time. So I think the records after moving pictures became a little more experimental for them because they had reached this apex that they had so coveted in their mind. That was their goal. Their vision was this record. And I do see a very clear, if I can continue here, please. I do see a real clear delineation for me in their career post moving pictures. I've often paralleled for my, for myself, moving pictures and signals to that of Fleetwood Mac's, Rumors and Tusk. Rumors is a masterpiece record for Fleetwood Mac. Moving Pictures is a masterpiece record for Rush. Fleetwood Mac could have sat on their laurels laurels and put out Rumors Part 2. Rush could have done the same and put out Moving Pictures Part 2. But not only do they not do that, we all know what came next with Signals, but the Signals album and tour, I think, is where Rush made their most drastic change with this record here with moving pictures with this box set that we all have that we're all enjoying and deep diving in and appreciating everything that it has and it represents the live component of this record is a perfect bridge between the older fans because the the live record still opens up at 2112 it still has the prelude to hemispheres it still has by tour it still has the medley at the end with working man and the grand finale from 2112 it still has its foot in in the past for those who were introduced to rush before moving pictures that they still were able to cling to that part of their career but just one year later when they were on tour in support of signals that was a brand new show they said goodbye to that part of the career and they kind of began to me the next phase of their career if you look at the typical signal set list it is devoid of Hemisphere's title track, of Cygnus X1, of Working Man, of a lot of their old staples that their older fans became used to, which makes this release and this live component, the live and YYZ component, such a great treasure for fans to have this to represent the end of that part of their career, the apex of their career. For those who are fans of their early days, I think this is a great treasure for everybody involved. Do you think, Ray, the live in YYZ concert that's included here is the show Rush wish they could have put out when they put out Exit Stage Left if they had the time to put a full show on one disc? I mean, this this is kind of Exit Stage Left improved, right? I think it's improved in the regard that it is a complete show from that tour where exit stage left is what two thirds of this perhaps. And Getty himself is, is on record with his own level of discomfort about the production of that record. But I think that's the case of any artist who looks back on their career, wanting to tweak a or B or C from a particular, particular record. I, I think this is a fantastic release. It's yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's what, they had hoped exit stage left could have been. And here they are years later being able to write that wrong now. Now, right. Were you at the live show that's in this box set? Thanks for asking. Sadly, no, I wasn't. Oh. My, my, my first show was four five 83, April 5th of 83. Oh, I just, I celebrated that anniversary a couple of weeks ago. And did I actually celebrate the anniversary of 4583 in my first show? Of course I did. Of course you did. <laughs> did you make yourself a cake? Make a cake? No. Did I go to lo- did I go to a local supermarket, buy a cake, and have the lady behind the counter write happy anniversary Ray on it? Of course I did. <laughs> did you really? I deserve it. That day deserves it. That day changed my life. Yes. 
look with this. Okay, th that uh, Jerry, you're, you're mentioning that show. No, I wasn't at that show. That show is one of the, you know, perhaps the highlight of this package. And this package is incredibly substantial. I think anybody who's plunking down the money for the super mega uber deluxe backstage edition of this is completely getting their money's worth. But it's important to know that in putting these packages together, that care is being taken. If I can elaborate on that, please. So towards the end of the band's touring career there, in the last few years leading up to 2015, there's multiple interviews in which Neil would use that phrase, that to him, it was important for the fans to know that even if you might not like or understand this lyric, it's important at least that they know that care has been taken. And I quite like the simplicity of that line from him, care has been taken. So I've read many multiple comments online about this package. And what I think it's important for fans to know is with these releases that care is most definitely being taken in considering anything and everything that is available for inclusion in this. Care was definitely taken with this. I want to give 100% credit to Jeff Fira. Jeff is the executive producer of this project. Jeff was the sole executive producer for not only this Moving Pictures 40th anniversary, but the Permanent Ways 40th anniversary. The two records that celebrated their anniversaries before that, Hemispheres and A Farewell of the Kings, Jeff was the co-executive producer of those. Before that, for 2112, he was the supervisor of that project. Jeff is a Rush fan as well. And at one point, he sent me an email saying something like, the teenager in him is geeking out over this project. Because with myself, with Jeff, with anybody who has any role, you know, Jeff, the executive producer, he, he's the one who gets all the credit for all of these. Again, care is being taken. And, you know, I, I've read some, I've read here and there people wondering about how these releases, whether it's this moving pictures anniversary release, whether it's the Rush Gigs book, Steve, that you were nice enough to mention earlier, any of these releases under the umbrella of the band's name post 2015 i've read people occasionally questioning how these releases affect their legacy well i think rush's legacy has been cemented uh, i'll parallel it to uh this past november i saw genesis here in town in november of 2021 here in buffalo and it was i'll respectfully say it wasn't the best genesis show that I ever saw it, it was it was bittersweet to watch this and i heard some people that night talking about how oh, they shouldn't have gone out and you know tarnished their legacy it tarnished their legacy damaged their legacy and i thought well no it didn't it didn't tarnish their legacy the, the record duke from 1980 is is no less fantastic because of that show that i saw in november of 2021 a trick of the tail is no less fantastic because of that show in november of 2021 moving pictures, whether you like this box set or not, whether you wish they had more of this or less of that, it does nothing to tarnish their legacy at all. Quite frankly, with all of these 40th anniversaries, care is being taken to celebrate their legacy. That's what this is. This is another reason for us to pause, celebrate their legacy, and is no way is... I, I take umbrage with somebody saying that their legacy is being tarnished with any of these releases because they come with a spirit of celebration and care. I'm looking forward to the signals 40th anniversary. Truly. I'm looking forward to all of them. So I'm fine with that. Speaking of that, Ray, mm -hmm. September 9th, 2022 is signals 40th anniversary. You have any mm -hmm. insight on whether there will be a 40th anniversary box set and when that will happen? I just know that if a signals box set is put out, it will be because the record deserves a celebration. And I know that care will most definitely be taken in crafting such a release. If such a release <laughs> comes out. In other words, you're dodging the question, right? Yeah, right? Very, very diplomatic answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I hope to add it to my collection as much as the two of you do. And as much as all of, all of your fans do. 
Now, speaking of care being taken, there are so many exclusive collectibles in this moving pictures box set. How many of those were you directly involved with? And are any of them replicas of something from your personal collection? Yeah. At that September, 2020 virtual meeting, when I was sharing anything and everything that I had with not only Jeff Fira, who again, I can't give enough credit to Jeff for his work in putting these together. It was myself and Jeff Fira and Ivar Hamilton, who's the Universal Canada product manager and has been credited as such for each of the last few records. Ivar Hamilton, by the way, you may remember I had written about Ivar's role with the liner notes I wrote for Permanent Waves. Within that, I told the story of Neil delivering Permanent Waves to Ivar at CFNY. Somehow I forgot your question. I apologize, Steve. Where were you there? I got off on a, on a tangent. Oh, the, the collectibles in the box set, how many of them were replicas of something from your collection? Okay. At that meeting, I know one thing that Jeff jumped on immediately was the YYZ luggage tag. I have many multiple YYZ luggage tags. I'm sure a lot of Rush fans have them. I don't think me having them is unique, but I think that was something that was new to Jeff and he jumped at that. There are a lot of posters that I shared. And again, they ended up tweaking one of them to become the bifold poster or the horizontal poster that's that's in there rushed through the years from 74 to 81. I had heard about the idea of the Red Barchetta car maybe a year before that. That was something that was not my idea. It was not a part of my collection, but that idea was shared with me maybe a year beforehand. And I think the ultimate realization of that is just so stinking cool. <laughs> I think that's totally great, right? Steve, when it came to the the live component, that's one part, I guess, of the of the archival research work. When it came to the live component, at that point, at that meeting, when the first meeting for myself, I kind of knew what was available. I kind of knew what was out there. The same thing held true with previous releases. I knew what was available to the band. So I presented a list of shows that I knew were available and they kind of took it from there, ended up choosing the show that was chosen. I think they made a great choice. I think it sounds fantastic. Steve, I'm also thinking part of my collection. Okay. Somewhere in the book that accompanies this 40th anniversary release, the book, by the way, I think the book is just fantastic. If you look at the progress of these 40th anniversary releases, the 2112 40th anniversary release had a simple paper bifold booklet that was nice and appropriate. But if you look at what's happened with those books, as these releases have gone on, they've become much more elaborate, much more slick and so substantial within the book. There's a lot of photographs in there. And I've had the opportunity to take a look at some of the photos that are available in the band's archive. So I'm not sure if the ones that were chosen for inclusion anywhere in the book are ones that I came across in my archival work, but there's a few things off the top of my, off the top of my head, Steve. Oh yeah. One other thing, the music that's on the album itself proper. I wrote all the music that's on the album also. (laughs) There's there's also that. You would never forget that. You went back in time and, and created everything. Yeah. I'll just add this. If I may, I know within this release, it was mentioned early on the idea of having musicians who've been influenced by Rush or by moving pictures in this case, kind of give their own comments on the importance of this record in their life. That's that's why the decision was made to have a, a different voice in the liner notes that accompany this, which so much has already been written. I think I said this at the beginning, so much of this record has already been written about. It, it was interesting to hear a different take in how this record influenced people in their career. When I, when I wrote what I did for Permanent Waves, I was trying to find something that people would find interesting when I wrote that piece. Jerry, you asked about what did, what did you learn? I wanted people to finish that Permanent Waves piece 
having learned something. That was a difficult job to do. So I, I think Jeff ended up taking, it was a great move by Jeff and the right move by Jeff to choose the people he did to celebrate the record in the way that they did with those particular liner notes. So Jerry, I think we're going to have to buy a jacket for the next time Ray appears <laughs> on the Rush fan cast. Are you paying for that jacket or am I paying for that jacket? I can pay for it, Steve. It'll have to be, it'll be silk, right? It'll be one of those silk jackets. The Five Timers Club. Make no mistake about it. The only reason I'm on here is to get myself inevitably one step closer to that Five Timers Club jacket. <laughs> the only reason I'm here now, archival research, nothing. I want the jacket. It might be a t-shirt with some magic marker on it. I don't know if it's going to be a full jacket, but we'll, we'll, set, we'll see what we can do. Uh, that'll suffice. That'll <laughs> suffice. Well, Ray, I know we speak for all Rush fans thanking you for your involvement in this project. The box set looks amazing. Your involvement was a huge part of it. So thank you. Nice of you to say that. But again, I give, I had a small percentage worth of influence and input on this. Jeff Fura, Ivar Hamilton, they get all the credit in the world for how substantial and beautiful this latest release is. This release deserved this kind of lavish treatment and it was everything and more that I think Rush fans could hope for. Well, why don't we just thank you for your passion for Rush? How about that? You've got more passion for Rush than anyone I've ever met. Uh, that'll suffice. I'll take that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And thanks for joining us today, Ray. We appreciate it. Okay. I, I appreciate your time as always continued health and happiness to you both. Thanks for your willingness to have me on now. I do really appreciate it. Thank you. So Jared, as excited as I am for the Rush 40th anniversary of moving pictures, the question that got me the most excited is the 40th anniversary of Signals. Yeah. I mean, it's a kind of a given, I suppose. I can't imagine that they'd stop. I don't know when they're going to stop at the 40th anniversary releases, but you know, I'm here for all of them, I think. <laughs> Number one, I can't imagine that they wouldn't do it. Number one. And secondly, even though Ray did dodge the question, I got the vibe, just a vibe from him. Right. Just the feeling that he believes there's going to be one. That's just a vibe. Yeah. I, I felt the same way. I mean, there almost has to be one, whether or not it'll come out on time, I guess is a different issue. Yeah. Ray told us after the interview that the reason that the moving pictures one didn't come out on time was because of the vinyl pressing was taking so long. Right. Let's hope there's not the same problem coming up well anyway i mean the box set looks great thanks to ray for sharing his stories behind it i'm just trying to figure out what if anything i should hang up on the on the walls of my house all of it i should do some of the lyrics yeah all of it some of the lyrics i don't know these like i said the the, the lyric cards are really high quality card stock so you know what i think you should do all that stuff that i see in your basement on your walls right now all that stuff's got to come down and you've got to just frame all this stuff and the next time i come over to your house that basement is moving pictures basement that's what i think it should right. be. we'll see who i can convince of that but then see the walls are yellow so you got to make them red and black somehow to make it the moving pictures basement oh yeah i'll just paint everything black that's a great idea Paint everything black, maybe red frames. Maybe you can call Hugh Syme and get him to give you some design ideas <laughs> for the basement. He, he would probably help you out, I think. He might, yeah. Maybe I could paint it Vanta black. That black that is the darkest, the blackest black paint there is. So, Jared, this was so great. I think coming up soon, we have to talk about the live and YYZ live CD, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. It is such, I've been listening to it almost nonstop. I listened to it like three times in one week, the first week I got it. So when I listened to the, to the LPs, it's, oh, it's so good. We definitely have to talk about it. It really is amazing. But next week we start to talk about hold your fire again. Right. We're doing a redux episodes, just like we did with power windows. Yeah. That went so well that we decided to do it again with hold your fire. And we start next week with Force 10 and Time Stand Still. I can't wait. The guests we have lined up, everyone's going to just love it, I think. I hope so. I always hope people love it. And then after we finish with Hold Your Fire, we will talk about Live and YYZ. Yes. So we've got our next five or six weeks lined up for us. 
Oh, yeah, we could take a little break, take a little uh, vacation <laughs> if you want. Except me, I'll be editing all this. <laughs> okay, I'll take a vacation then. You know, uh, Ray told us one more thing. He was involved in writing the Spotify storylines for the Moving Pictures 40th anniversary. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really cool. If you scroll down past the lyrics, then you can see the, the storylines. It's just little tidbits about each song on the album, a couple of sentences here and there. It's pretty cool. Ray is such a lucky guy. He gets to be so involved with everything Rush is doing, and he must be thrilled, really. Oh, he has to be. It must be such a thrill. Um, but, you know, I asked Ray if he learned something by working on the box set. And there was something I forgot to mention when I was talking about the tour book that's included with the box set mm-hmm. that I didn't know. And I'm going to ask you, Steve. It's like a trivia question. Okay. What was the first song written for Moving Pictures? The first song written for Moving Pictures was, hmm, that's a good question. I'm going to say Limelight. No, you are in. <laughs> I get to say it now. You are incorrect. Oh man. What is it? It is the camera eye. Oh, I was going to say camera eye and I went with limelight. Darn it. That's pretty cool. I didn't, I didn't know that. And I believe the last song was Tom Sawyer. Was it not? We discussed that. That did we discuss that? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we did. Okay. Then I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for uh, making me look bad with that trivia question, Jared. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Rush Fancast. Instagram, find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of this train wreck of a, <laughs> <laughs> of a box set opening on a podcast at therushcast at gmail.com. Find us on your favorite podcast app. And Jar, I hope you have a quote to wrap this up for us. And it better be from moving pictures, goddammit. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, his mind is not for rent to any god or government. Always hopeful, yet discontent. He knows changes aren't permanent, but changes. Certainly is. Thanks, Jar. All right, see you later. Take it easy. <laughs>